Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our morning Bible study with the Day of Prayer. We're so glad you could join us as we continue to discuss Second Samuel. Before we get into the Word, who would like to volunteer to open us in prayer? I will. All right, Layla, go for it. Lord, I just thank you for today and for the mighty things that you're doing for us, Lord, and for your grace and your mercy. And I ask that you'll just... Um, Send the Holy Spirit to guide us as we go through our Bible study, Lord, and teach us all things, Lord, that you want us to know and continue to help us grow. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So as was pointed out, we are in 2 Samuel, and this morning we are going to go over chapter 13. Mm-hmm. So, uh, honey, how about you and I split the first 22 verses, and we'll go forward from there. Okay. Right? And I'll begin, and then oh, you can just jump right. in. Um, verse 12. All right. So it says, After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to her, to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said to him, Lie down in your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. And David said, sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, How everyone go out from me? And they all went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom, that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she made, and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now when she had brought them to him, he ate. He took hold of her hand and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. But she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I... Where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And he, I'm sorry, and being stronger than she, he forced her to lay with, he forced her and laid with, and lay with her. Pardon me. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred which he hated her was with which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. So she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her, 
Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out, away from me, and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon your brother been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when, da when, but when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Okay. So we'll start with you four. What questions do you have, or comments, or most importantly, what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you in this? Um, if Amnon hated um, Tamar with greater hatred than which he loved her, would that mean he hated her from the beginning? Yes, yeah, so what, as we're looking at the word love, Perfect love is the love of God. Mm -hmm. It's not a sexual love. It's not um, mm -hmm. human love. It is the God kind of love. So when the Bible in, um, in these verses, in this particular chapter, there, this is a different love than what's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Absolutely. This is describing lust, basically, mm -hmm. and in the sense of a longing for, like he desired her greatly. Not that he oh. genuinely loved her and thought about her well-being and cared for her and, you know, wanted good, God's best for her. He wanted to have sexual relation with her. And how do you know that's the difference in the type of love, in this case, lust being discussed here? Mm -hmm. Because even in a natural setting, if we look at it, even with human perspective, if he had have actually loved her, he wouldn't have treated her in the manner that he did. Absolutely. He would have wanted her good, not and, to disgrace her and hurt her. And then and discard her mm -hmm. like she was nothing. Mm -hmm. And the God kind of love, right? We see going through a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, love never fails. Yes. It's not a hot and cold kind of thing. Love remains and it continues. But this mm -hmm. was short-lived. And then yes. quickly turned to hatred. Well, yes, it was hatred from the beginning. It was just masked with lust. Right? And lust, lust is, it's simply, purely, the word means strong desire. Lust. Mm -hmm. However, it takes a negative connotation when the things that are strongly desired are ungodly things. Does that make sense? Yes. So there's a... Um, the spirit lust against the, the flesh and the flesh against the spirit or the you know that scripture, sweetheart? Galatians five, six, I believe. Um, Let's take a peek at that. Maybe that's not the right one, but I know that goes along with it as well. Let me turn there myself. Maybe it's not six. Uh, 5.16 says, it's about walking in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Paul says, writes this, I say then, 
Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay. So just seeing in that word, it just means a strong desire, and the desires of the Spirit, of course, glorify God, but the desires of the flesh are contrary to the the spirit, the spirit and the will of God. So it pushes in another direction. Well, and to make it even more plain, if you continue reading verse 19 and 20, uh, verse 19 especially, it mm-hmm. goes into those exact things. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, mm-hmm. fornication, mm-hmm. uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he contrasts that with, but in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Amen. So you can see that things are alive, our awakened spirit to God. Our spirit wants to do things that honor God. And raping someone is not in line with the lusts of the spirit, if you will, the drive and the desire of the spirit, right? Those are fleshly things, and love does no harm to a neighbor. So, oh, go ahead. So there's two things, right? So we read also in Galatians just now about, um, I was afraid exactly, about uh, not being obligated to the law. How to say that exactly? Oh, against? Against such there is no law? Okay. Mm-hmm. So... The law that he's talking about, because all that is addressed, and you can look at Leviticus. Sorry, Leviticus 18 is the chapter describing the laws of or against sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. So all this, the, everything that happens here, and the consequences thereof are discussed in that chapter. Uh, I'm not going to read them out loud. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a... The entire chapter, I'll let you guys study that on on your own. But um, the the consequences and, and the Lord's warnings is begins at verse 24. Don't defile yourself with any of these things. Mm-hmm. For by these the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in verse 25, for the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it. And the land vomits out its inhabitants. And he further continues, you know, with the rest of those verses, talking about that, continuing in that same thought. And I'll say sequence, if you will, where whoever commits any of these abominations, the persons who commit them shall be cut off from among the people. Therefore, you shall keep my ordinance that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and you do not defile yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Which goes to exactly what we read in Galatians. For if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill, you will not carry out the lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that process, your flesh will be buffeted, your soul, which is your mind and your will and emotions, will be renewed, right? They will be transformed yes. by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you will begin to do and walk all the things that are pleasing to the Lord. Um, so it's important that even though you look at the word and it says loved, clearly we know what real love is, and that is not real love, to do this kind of thing to anyone, um, to bring harm to them in any capacity. So anybody else have a question or a thought? Um, I did. Okay. It was about um, Jonadab. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When I read that and the way they described him, like the opening sentence was he was a crafty man. It seemed like he was trying to set up Amnon and how he was related to, he was David's nephew, Mm -hmm. but he would give poor counsel to his cousin to see his downfall. And to see the harm of Tamar. Mm -hmm. She's she's equally his cousin. Oh, yes, to see the, but I found it was more so like against David and a hatred of why are you the king? Why are you royalty and we're not? There could be some of that. I'm sure they had some favor that they were shown. I mean, they were tax exempt under Saul at the very least. Yes. But they did, clearly David's brothers didn't like him. We saw that when he was going to face Goliath. They had some issues with him and there was jealousy there. Um, and you could see there, there's a good case for what you're saying that they were jealous why would you say that to someone that you loved a friend let me help you create an evil situation that not not only does harm to the people in the natural but it puts amnon in direct opposition to the most high god to the things that god declares are right and righteousness and tamar brings it up like this is not even done in israel this should not be done here which which you just read in leviticus honey yes um god's saying this is not how my people carry themselves Yes. This is what the world looks like. And you see they're being consumed by the actions that they're doing. It's devouring them. And their inhabitants have no justification to continue to maintain good. Does that make sense? Yes. So because just like we do, everyone has the opportunity to do what it is that God says is right and righteous. Paul talks about the Romans, like there's no excuse. Even if you didn't know the details and the intrinsic, the, the strict things of God, the concise things of God, you can look at creation and see that he is real and that he exists. And you can also look at it and see how you should carry yourself. So there's no excuse for you doing these things that are lustful and lascivious and unrighteous and um, ungodly. There's no excuse for that. So even if these other um, nations didn't know the specific things, have the details like they didn't get the Ten Commandments per se, et cetera, et cetera, they still had a witness that was created on the inside of them to tell them to look up to Jesus, look up to God. There's someone who is God. That witness being the Holy Spirit. Exactly. To convict us of sin, right? That's exactly what the Lord says. And it's it's in our DNA. That was the initial part of mm-hmm. us of, uh, in creation, right? We're made in the image and likeness of God, number one. Sin came in, and the sin nature came in through flesh as a secondary thing. But the predominant thing, the preeminence, 
is Jesus Christ. He put himself in us long before sin showed up. So we still have that inward witness that is literally coded and inscripted on the inside of every strand and uh, fiber of our being to know who God is and to know what's right and what's wrong. You may not have all the details, but something goes, which is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Going, hey, hey, that's not it. You may not know why, but he still comes and gives each of us that chance and resonates the things that he's already um, committed to. We are made in the image and likeness of God. That's humanity. Mankind is made in the image and likeness of God. Yes. Also, yes. Jonadab, right? Yes. Does that description of him sound familiar? In what way, sweetheart? How that he was crafty. There's been several crafty people in the Bible. That's true. Very true. That's true. Let's go back to, I'll say, the beginning. In Genesis 3, right, where there's the temptation and the fall of man, as it were. Yes. How is the serpent described? More cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. Mm. Mm -hmm. Gave counsel to Eve, the serpent with ulterior motives, clearly participating in the devil's schemes and plans. Mm-hmm. What's the Lord tell us? Don't. That we should not be unaware of them. Mm-hmm. But he also says don't yield your members exactly. to such a thing. Now, and I was going to bring up that example with Job. Okay. What did Job's wife say to him? What curse, did she counsel him to do? Curse God and die. She counseled him to curse God and die, exactly. The very thing that Satan was... Put- Petitioning the Lord, oh, he's going to do this. As soon as you stop covering him, he's going to curse you to your face. Multiple times. And and what was Job's response? Uh, you talking crazy, that? lady. said, you That's speak <laughs> as one of the foolish women speaks. Do you not see both of those instances, right? The, I'll say the devil's playbook here. Mm-hmm. Outlined both instances. It's the same. It looks the same every time. Played out here in this story. In this situation, this this mm-hmm. this event, it looks the same every time. We should not be unaware of those things. We have the Holy Spirit to give us discernment <clears throat> into what is actually happening. Yep. It doesn't matter if it's family or or otherwise, right? We have a, a duty, a responsibility, an obligation to not participate in the schemes of the devil. Absolutely. But to fight him, to pull down any stronghold, anything that rises up or yields itself mm-hmm. against the Lord and against the Lord's plans and purposes. Mm-hmm. Resist the devil, right? Submit to God. First, Resist submit to devil. God. That's, that's the first step. Submit and to God. Absolutely. Resist the devil and he will flee. You cannot mm-hmm. resist the devil if you're not submitted to the Lord. You can't. Anyone tried that on their own? Okay. Yes. So clearly, that's a Yes. Right? How well did that work? If you were not submitted to the Lord, how well did that work? To be honest, when I wasn't submitted to the Lord, I didn't care about resisting the devil. I mean, I was in the mode of do what feels good. Now, I had my own limitations. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't in a place of even considering resisting the devil because it sounded like he had the goods that I was looking for. Just to be honest yeah. about who I was outside of Christ. Yeah. Well, um. And we've all had those moments too, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. We can we can admit that. 
I don't condone the behavior. No, but. But it's just further testimony of what the Lord's delivered us from. That I need Jesus. Amen. Yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But it just goes further to the point. You cannot resist the devil mm -hmm. if you're not submitted to the Lord. Absolutely. That's, that's the first thing, paramount thing. Submit to the Lord. He has to actually be your Lord and Savior. Yep. And for the believer, if you know that you've been resisting God in a particular area of your life, yeah. it does it it makes it harder for you to take his shield and covering in another area. And not to be harsh, but if he's not good enough to direct you and guide you on what where you should live or, you know, whatever area that you find yourself resisting him, why is he good enough to cover you now? Right? Either he's God yes. or he's not. We know he is God, but my Lord and Savior is a personal thing. So if he's Lord enough, if he's good enough to do this one thing, then he's good enough to do all of it. So don't resist him. And I know I've noticed, I found myself at times telling God, uh-uh, uh-uh, when he's trying to tell me something. And I don't, I'm not doing it purposefully, but I'm doing it nonetheless. And then it comes like, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't mean to tell you no. Let me get that correct. Let me straighten that up so I can tell you yes, God. Because I can't tell him no, he doesn't. He can't be my Lord in this area, but then be God over here. So we have to be certainly consistent in that, submitting to God. Amen. So that way we're able to stand. So because Amnon had evil intentions concerning Tamar, he became sick? No, um, he's just a nut. Yeah, it was just like he was obsessed. I would, I would more so put it that way. Like he was, he had become consumed by this um, lustful desire. And look at the example that they just witnessed. Here, David is king. He's got all these treasures and wealth and prominence now and status, and he's been exalted. And here he is, going, if I want it, I can have it. Literally, there's no boundaries for me. In Bathsheba. Yes. And even the child that was produced afterwards and later on to Solomon. But they just saw, they, I don't know if this was a year later, two years later, whatever, but they just saw this holy righteous king, right, that everybody had looked up and God had been signifying and stamping like, hey, I'm with this, this, this one right here. This is my son. And then here he does what he did with Bathsheba. You saw the, this the very same thing. I looked at her. I want her. I should get it. There's no difference. Sure, Bathsheba went willingly. So in other words, they learned as an example from observation he of learned, what David did. Instead of him learning to maintain the standard, he learned, all I got to do is wait long enough to get what I want. Right? Just, just hang in there and be patient, and then I can just act up. And, you know, I can take what I want. Yeah, he took it a step further than what David did in one capacity as in forcing himself on Tamar, on the, the woman, the object of his desire. But he, he got it from the playbook that he saw in his dad. But also the playbook that he wanted to hear. Oh, for sure. So he sought Jonadab or asked Jonadab, and instead of advising him in the right way, he advised him on how to get what he wanted James discusses this very thing. I know we've discussed this in the past, but uh, we're going to read this section of Scripture as well because it's important. We shouldn't be unaware, right? Mm -hmm. 
verses James 3, verses 13 through 18. Let me know when you get there. I'm there. says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But <clears throat> if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every thing, evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we just a little you know, bit ago in this podcast talked about Galatians. And if we look at the advice that Jonadab gave, it clearly meets what is described here as earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. Mm -hmm. But then Tamar, what she states is clearly the latter. Mm -hmm. Looking to make peace, not just to save herself, if you will, but in addition to that, helping to to give the opportunity to save a, a brother, but also a brother in Christ. Mm -hmm. But he refused that one. He resisted. All right, we can look all the way back with, with David in 1 Samuel when he was going to strike down all, I mean, Abigail's husband and the entire household. Mm -hmm. He was met by Abigail who provided godly wisdom. Mm -hmm. And he had the wherewithal to submit to the Lord, resist the thing he was going to do, and remain faithful to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Which further fulfills, as further proof and demonstration of the Lord fulfilling his word. Always, in any temptation, he provides a way of escape. He does. We have to be aware, yes, of the schemes of the enemy, but also of that opportunity that the Lord provides mm -hmm. to escape, to not fall prey, if you will. Mm -hmm. But also, the, the point you brought up, honey, about the example set in David, mm -hmm. which is where his children learn these things. Mm -hmm. It should sound similar, right? If we look at Matthew 28. Verses 18 through 20. Jesus provides what is often known as the Great Commission. And we're going to read, read that. Actually, can I get a volunteer to read that? I'll read it. All right, promise. Go for it. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, 
All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that have that I have commanded you. And the, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. So in the Great Commission, yes, Jesus first says to go, or if you really study out the language, it's as you go, make disciples, right? Yes. yes. But then what are we to teach them? All that the Lord had commanded them. To observe, other versions say, to obey all that I have commanded you. Jesus, as our pattern example, was obedient to the Father in all things, mm -hmm. which is why he was considered and stated to be faithful in all his house, all of the Lord's house, everything that was entrusted to him. You cannot teach obedience if you yourself are not obedient to the Lord. It's an impossibility. Mm -hmm. How are you going to teach someone else to, how to be obedient to the Lord if you yourself are not first doing it? Yeah. He doesn't say in, in the Great Commission, teach them about me, or teach them about the Lord. That's already a given. If I'm teaching them how to be obedient to all the Lord has commanded, then it's a given that I'm going to teach you about the Lord also. But what is the point of teaching someone about the Lord? If Because right, anyone can do a background check or... Or any of those things, and mm -hmm. read an encyclopedia or what on someone and know all about them. Yes. But knowing about someone doesn't mean you actually know them, doesn't constitute a relationship. But the whole point and premise that the Lord is teaching us is have a relationship, but the relationship and in that being submitted to his lordship is about obedience. Mm -hmm. He also says what? If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. Yes, and some versions say you will obey my commandments. Mm -hmm. It's the same for everything. Throughout the entirety of the word is, is about obedience to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Right? It's, what do you say to Saul since we went over that? I desire obedience rather than sacrifice. Jesus said the same thing to the Pharisees. You should have understood what this meant. I desire obedience rather than sacrifice. It wasn't just knowing the scriptures, the law, the, the Bible. It wasn't just knowing those things, being able to recite it and discuss it at the doctorate level. Mm -hmm. What's the point of knowing those things if we're not going to follow what he says? And I don't just mean the law, but what the Lord is telling us, what's at the core of this, which is a love for God, which is demonstrated by our obedience to him. And in so doing, we will look like Jesus. We will reflect the very nature and character of God. But that only comes with submitting to the Lord, His Lordship, as our Lord and Savior, and then being obedient to Him in every area and aspect of our lives. What are you going to say, honey? Oh, I'm just going to read Romans chapter 6, verse 16. 
It says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God bethink that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that, fr that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. So basically, um, the word is telling us, whoever you, can, you continually yield your members to, you're their slave. I mean, today we would say they own you because you keep going back. You keep allowing them to reign and rule whomever that is. So if you're allowing God to be in that leadership role, if you're allowing your members to be submitted to him, then you're God's slave. And that's honorable and commendable and what we should be. Right? Yes. That's why Paul would always go, I'm, I'm a bondservant of Christ. Bondservant is another word for slave. I'm Absolutely. a slave to his will, his way, to doing what God asked me to do, when he asked me to do it, how he asked me to get it done. That was the whole point of Adam and Eve in the garden. It was obedience. Mm -hmm. Disobedience is what separated them. Caused them to be a slave now of the enemy. All right. Let's, let's, but even about mm -hmm. the teaching part, teaching to be obedient. Mm -hmm. What does he say about Abraham? He was faithful. He does, it does say that. And he he believed and he called him as mm -hmm. righteousness. Yep. Mm -hmm. But then, so when the Lord is about to destroy, destroy Sodom, all right, and that's also where Lot is. Yes. What's he say? This is Genesis 18. He says, um, Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Mm -hmm. Keep or obey. He was going to teach his children obedience. And clearly they followed the obedience of the Lord and what they had been instructed. The Lord, the Lord says what? I'm the God of who? Abraham, Abraham. Isaac, and Jacob. Oh. So Abraham taught his child Isaac, who then taught Jacob, who taught his children, that they all fall and know. But you do see, especially in Joseph, that he followed the, he was obedient to what he had been taught, even in the midst of Egypt and being a slave in Egypt. Was obedient to the Lord. Yes. Okay. It's a pattern example for all of us. Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness had to learn what? Obedience. And many didn't enter in because they were disobedient to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it even says this about Jesus in Philippians. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's not Philippians. Uh, you have to correct me on that, but... It says that Christ learned what through his suffering? Obedience. Oh. So again, back to our Lord and Savior. He learned obedience. Same thing we're to teach. But it also says that in Jeremiah and in other places about knowing the Lord, right? It says no one will have need to teach his, his neighbor or his brother, saying, know me. Why? He says, because they'll all know me. 
This is, uh, you, you referenced Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Mm-hmm. That was Hebrews 5, verse 8. And yeah. verse 9 says, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And as you're listening to these um as we're going through the word, have your Bible out. Flip with us to the scriptures. Check out the things that we're telling you, that we're saying, that we're ministering, and see if they're so. Listen to the Holy Spirit for yourself. It's important that we do that. Not just going, okay, they sound good, but investigate. Search the scriptures. And yes. as you're doing that, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to his voice and what he's ministering to you personally. Yes, what you want to do. Uh, so I uh, found the, uh, the one on, on Jeremiah. It's uh, Jeremiah 31. Really, the whole covenant part is in, from verses 31 through 34. But I'll especially read verses 33 and 34. It says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, Mm -hmm. for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I will remember no more. Mm -hmm. Amen. -hmm. It's about obedience. But it's joyful, willing obedience. Absolutely. It's not out of obligation or fear in a way of... um, Fear of wrath, but out of reverence and respect. Exactly, to the Lord. not just Genuine following love. laws, right? As, so the consequences to not get in, or the the goal is to not get in trouble, but out of a respect or reverence mm-hmm. for who the Lord is. And Hebrews eight verse eleven just reinforces, reiterates what you just read in Jeremiah. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, "Know the Lord," for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Yeah. God is faithful. It's okay. Let's let's keep looking at the word here. Um so look oh go ahead, sweetheart. So there was another point I wanted to bring out. Okay. And this is so tomorrow after grieving and all these things, she is encouraged or receives counsel by um Absalom. What did Absalom instruct her in verse 20? To hold her peace. Do not take this thing to heart. Do not take this thing to heart. Do not, this wrong that's been committed to her and against her. But yet Absalom is clearly struggling with this. It says in verse 22 that what? Absalom hated Amnon. And he didn't even speak to him. Or he didn't speak to him because he hated him. So he didn't follow his own advice or his own counsel. But he let this thing harbor and manifest. He let that seed grow in his heart. Now, we can also look at verse 21. Because what was David's response? He was very angry. But silent. But did nothing. 
There was no correction. There was no discipline, reproof, admonishment, rebuke, nothing. He could have been like, no, you're going to marry her now. Or he could have done a, a myriad of things. But we... Now, many people point to the law of Moses, and under the law of Moses, he should have died, right? Yes. Okay. But as your mother pointed there are a myriad of things that he could have done. He shouldn't have died. Uh, under the law of Moses, he should have married her. He should have been forced to marry her. Now, if they were acting together, they both should have been taken out of the city and stoned. So if you look at uh, Leviticus 18... You're essentially sentencing them to death. They're thrown out of the land. They're no longer part of the people. Yes. Cut off. But just in this case, she wasn't. She wasn't a, a cohort in this. Correct. That's it wasn't. Why she should have been given to him as a wife, and he should have had to keep her, and he wasn't able to divorce her. Okay. But also, here's the other thing. Um, but let's look at this. Tamar had no guilt in this situation. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing that she did that made him be lustful over her. Because you're beautiful, it's not your fault, you know. Mm -hmm. The world says, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. But (laughs) it's not hating. But just because a woman is attractive doesn't mean anyone is entitled to do anything to her. Exactly. Right? And and likewise, if a man is attractive, doesn't mean anybody's entitled to grope and do all that stuff to you. Hey, um, didn't I tell you? I don't know. I didn't always know Jesus. I'm, I'm just saying. And the sin nature is the sin nature. Yes, it looks the it same is. on everybody. Male and female are all subject to the same kinds of things. So, as far as like temptation, lust, being crude and crass, women can be very, yes. very harsh when they leave the place that God asked them to leave. They can, they can embarrass, make men blush in how crude they can be. So, yes. like I said, I, I understand so this wasn't her fault because someone laid a trap for her. However, as we discussed last at the end of last week, guard your house, your house. And as you're making choices in your life today, think about the, the generations coming after you. Right? So David, yes, yes. in the matter of a year-ish, yep. broke down with his own hands what God promised him. And had built up over the course of time. He had spent decades walking before the Lord, right? Yes. And yes, he had the issues that he was going and carrying out raids and all that stuff, and that opened the door, but then he came back. But you can see how fast sin comes in and wants to tear everything up. It takes time to build things up in righteousness. It does. There are some things that are very quick, but there are other times the the foundation of a righteous life takes time. And it, it, you can spend years doing it. But then you go, well, I'm going to cast off restraint and open the door for the enemy. And he's not coming. The enemy is not coming to play games. He's coming to kill, steal, and destroy and everything as quickly as he can. And Which is exactly what Jesus warned Peter about, right? He yeah. says, the devil has come to, is sift required you. to sift you like wheat. He that fast. Yes. Done. He's requesting it. But then we have our, our Savior. Have but I've prayed yeah. for you. We have an, an advocate with the Father. We have an intercessor. Exactly. Right? Yes. And the Holy Spirit. So the Lord is interceding on our behalf, but David opened the door to the enemy. So as you're looking at things, Tamar had no guilt here, but she suffered because David opened the door. 
as parents, it's our job to guard, tend, and keep what God entrusted to our care. Am I telling you to do that in your own strength? No. Because yeah, you I'm, can't. Th- it's it's impossible. all but impossible. It's impossible. Go to Matthew 12, verse 29. So in this, this group of scriptures here, Jesus is talking with the Pharisees and onlookers who are accusing him of casting out demons by demons. But if we look at, um, and he's going, well, no, a house divided against itself can't stand. And if he's doing it, um, if he's casting out demons by the Spirit of God, surely God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. But verse 29 says, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his good unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. And verse 30 says, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So in verse 29, the parents are set. Adam and Eve were set as the strong man. How could Satan get in and get to everything if he didn't first deal with those two? He couldn't have. Likewise, your generations are looking at you. How can Satan get in and start to wreak havoc? Unless he first takes you out, as in binds you, right? Yes. Can find that scripture for me, sweeter, that talks about sexual sin. Which one? Um, that it's within the body and how it's differentiated between oh, yes. every other sin is outside of the body, but sexual sin is within the body. But um, and we'll come back to that. But in order for Satan to have access because God has already said to David a few chapters back, you're going to have somebody that's sitting on your throne. You're going to, I'm going to establish you and had already established him and blessed him. You guys remember that? Yes. How could Satan get in? There's a hedge of protection around him. And as as long as David is enforcing what God said, Satan doesn't even have access to his children. God will keep them, right? His whole household is underneath the care and protection and provision of the most high God. But as soon as David breached the hedge of protection, like broke it down, created a gap in it, now God is like, now this is the result of what's happening for you. This is the, this is the answer to that um, uh, action that you just took. This is what's going to be the response to it. Because now you've given the enemy place to run ruckshot in your life and your family. And it's not going to be a secret thing like what you did, David. It's going to be out and open for the whole world to see. So you see the the embers of that that flame that's getting ready to come for him. And his daughter, unfortunately, was on the other side of that. She was one of the first casualties, like an innocent bystander. Yes, she didn't die, but to have someone do something like that to you, to take not only her physical body, but her internal being, like, why did I deserve that? You know, like all of those things that the offense that was brought to her and Against the shame. Against her spirit, soul, and body. Her entire being that now she's got to recover from. And let me tell you this loud and clear. It doesn't matter what anybody does to you or against you. You still must forgive for your well-being. Amen. Because God requires that from you. Okay? And me. And each individual. So there's no 
harm that is so much that you cannot forgive. I'm not saying that, and I'm, a, I'm not encouraging unforgiveness or delving into what happened. But no, there we was, must forgive. That's not we must forgive for, absolutely for believers. People that follow Christ, forgiveness is not an option. You must forgive. You must. And like you said, Absalom told her, don't, don't take it to heart. And someone could look at that and go, well, he's a guy. He's a man saying that to a woman and belittling it and making it a light thing. But no. It's truth. It is truth. There's, we can't help but come and be offended in this world. We can't help but come against that. You know, like as in you're living your life and someone stubs your toe. And you can either take that action, that, that experience, and delve into it until it spirals you down to the depths of despair and heartache and depression and sadness and let the enemy further exacerbate that situation. Or you can put it in the hands of God, right? And yes. forgive and allow God to restore and go through that process of letting him make you whole again. Encouraging yourself in him, Absolutely. in his word, and everything else that he says and ministers to you every day. Yep, absolutely. So you have a choice when, when things happen. Life is hard sometimes. You have a choice. Either you're going to dwell on that negative act, that negative um, circumstance. Either you're going to dwell on that and let it sink you to the and further and ruin everything. Yes, her physical body had been violated. Yes, she could not wear and have the honor of being a virgin anymore. And he further embarrassed her by not taking her to his household. But put her out and, you know, made her a spectacle. But her life wasn't over. She still had a whole lot more life to live following that. Yes. And she could have had, you know, she can go as far as God as she will believe him to go. So she still has a life. And it's important that she forgives and lets it go in the sense of not covering it up. I'm not talking about sweeping it under a rug but letting God minister to her and mend what's broken and heal her and then from there carry on. Okay? Yes. Do mm -hmm. you have something, sweetheart? Uh, you asked me to find a scripture for Okay, you. go ahead. Uh, it is 1 Corinthians 6, 18. It says, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And it continues... Or do you not know that your body is a temple of God, or a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. So, um, it's that whole section of Scripture. He talks about being joined to a prostitute and all these other mm -hmm. things. Um, if you lay with them, this says the two shall become one flesh. But we are joined, in this verse 17, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, with God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that scripture is not to say harlots are bad, like their God won't love those people. He loves everyone, and his blood paid for everyone's sins, no matter how it looks to us. But it's more so talking about why is she operating in harlotry. It's coming by the spirit of Satan, right? The enemy, yes. demonic spirit, is causing her to, she's engaging with them willfully by you know, by all means, but it's not her that's the problem. It's the, the sin that's the problem and joining yourself to that sin. But sexual sin puts people in bondage. David 
that sexual sin had a cost for him. So now at this point, he can't even say anything for what his son did to his daughter. That's incestuous. I mean, it's all kind of wrong. Yes. But now David's got to struggle with that own, his own kind of sin and the bondage that comes along with it. Thank you for reading that, sweetheart. Yep. So, um, and because David engaged in that sin, it weakened his stance and being able to come in and bring um, his authority, the standard of righteousness, you can see how it weakened him all the way around. He couldn't even go, I'm, I'm God's, you know, judge of, and vindicator of righteousness. I'm here for justice. He couldn't even do that because he had these secret things in his life. In his household, yes, they knew. Everybody saw this woman come in and go, you know, like when she showed up with the baby and they're like, we didn't attend a ceremony. You know, there wasn't. Yeah. Following the customs and traditions of the day. Or, and today, she, right, where there would be a baby shower, there'd be all these things. And this how is was she this far pregnant? And, you know, like all those questions that, that arise from people doing the timeline. And wait, her husband was away at. We just saw you, right? In battle, yeah, during that time. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So his household saw, and his integrity and his authority went, his son didn't even respect him. Right? Yes. But David's ability to come back and correct the situation was nullified because of his sin. And in, in particular, the sexual sin. How can I tell you not to rape anybody? Your own sister. When I just stole someone's wife, knocked her up and killed her husband off. And then married her. Now, if you've done those things, God loves you. I'm not finding fault with you. But you still have to now deal with... He will forgive, and the Lord will forgive Absolutely. you. The, Absolutely. The thing is this. Yes, there are consequences. That There are spiritual laws, mm -hmm. and when they're broken, that there are results that follow. A stain on your conscience, a stain on your, um, your garment, if you will. You have questions, Promise? No. Okay. Okay. But yes, God is always ready to forgive. He, he died for one just like he did for the other. He's not going little sin, big sin. But he's saying sin has a price and it costs you so much. Don't go into that. Sons and daughters, don't do it. Because the price that it, it tries to take, right? The price that it, it garners is more than you're able to handle, which is why we needed a Savior. Right? Yes. So don't invite those things into your life and... Um, as someone asked me as um, I was speaking to in a, a work situation, and they asked me, they were a child. How did these bad things happen to me? They were they were violated in various ways, and they wanted to know like if God is real, God loves me. Why did these things happen to me? As a kid, she was like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't. She's like, I went to church. I, I, I did what I knew to do, but yet these bad things still happened to me. And I had to explain to her, God gave your parents authority over you to tend and keep. Mm -hmm. So you, I, I only have one set of eyes and they're limited by flesh. You know, I can look with my, my spiritual eyes, but that's as the Holy Spirit reveals things to me. But what I do have is my faith and trust 
and the one who knows everything, the one who is everywhere at all times and in all places, who has, who is all sufficient and has all the power, and I can trust him, right? I pray over you guys. I pray for my family. The shield as a covering. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then I don't, in addition to that, I don't punch a hole in the hedge of protection. So I'm, I'm fighting on more than one front. As your parents, we're fighting on multiple fronts. Because as a baby, you're vulnerable. You can't defend yourself. You can't fight. You can't resist things spiritually. You're a baby. But also, guarding is not just from the outside. It's from the internal threats as well. So when you do stuff, yeah, we're praying over you, but we also deal with the situation. And in dealing with it, there's also, yeah, there's discipline, but there's also education. There's correction. There's encouragement. There's admonishment, right? Yes. So that you know what to do. So that you are prepared, yes, for now, but also for life outside of this house. Mm -hmm. When you're in the role that we are in, mm -hmm. as a parent, as the, uh, I'll say, or of your own house, submitted under the Lord's rulership, of course, right? Yes. But we are charged with ruling our own house and ruling it well, mm -hmm. guarding our house, being led by the Spirit, tending and keeping what he's given to us, mm -hmm. right? Yes. yes. God gave us the ability to choose and make choices. And because we are not islands unto ourselves, our choices affect other people. So don't ever think that just because you've done something wrong in your past doesn't mean you can't stand up and say something's wrong. Just because I committed sins as a young woman doesn't mean now I have to put my head down because and let you fall into the same sin. Absolutely not. You, when, when you come to that place, first of all, what are you told when you do something that's contrary to God? Go back immediately, you repent and make it right with him. Absolutely, and then do what? Don't do it again. That's the key. That's right. Repent immediately. Bring it back. God is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That has no time span on it. It's not like after 15 years I'll forgive you. God is like right then and there, the moment we sincerely come to him and ask him for forgiveness. It's done. He's not remembering our sin anymore. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So we are just like we never did any sin. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. We have all of our um, benefits available to us. And still, when you go forward and you have your own households, teach your children, hey, don't make that mistake that I made. It didn't work out for me. It didn't work out for the million people. God told us not to do these things for a reason because he knows what's on the other side of it. Not because he's trying to withhold good from us. Because there is no good in sin. He's good. So you have a right. So David, once he came back to the Lord, he should have asked God to cleanse his conscience from dead works. And he has his own um, language, renewing me a right spirit, Lord. Mm -hmm. But now he's still going through that process of having his conscience cleansed from those dead works. Remember I said it leaves a stain on you. When you do things like that, that especially huge things like the whole trail of what David did, that was about a year of oh, what was going on. It's a long time. Humans are subject to time. God is not. So he's still in the process of being scrubbed. You know, his, his psyche, his person, his, his thoughts was impacted by what he did. Mm 
Mm-hmm. How could I do that, Lord? I mean, like, I can imagine the guilt that he must have felt. And side note to that, God does not make us feel guilty. There is no, there is therefore now no guilt or condemnation to those who are in Christ. Right? Yes. And the follow-on is that when we walk according to his spirit, now we have no guilt. It's not us just free for, you know, freely sinning and then thinking we got a clean conscience over that. No, 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 no. But when you do something wrong and you come back to God, he said it's done and it's over. He doesn't remember it anymore. You are guilt-free. And you should therefore resist any thoughts of guilt that come to you, right, once you've repented. Right? And we talked about the accuser of the brethren that accuses them before the Lord day and night. But he also accuses you before you. Don't you don't you ask God for anything. You remember what you did. Right? Yes. Has anybody ever done anything wrong and they wanted to go, oh, mommy, can I? And they're like, oh, never mind. And go away. Or even when it comes to God. And then they go away and go, I can't ask you for that, Lord. I can't believe you to take care of me now because I know what I was doing. So you see how complicated sin is. How, how much it brings with it. And you can just simply avoid doing those things. It doesn't mean that opportunity doesn't come and knock on your door for you to be drawn away by something. The enemy comes to every door, everybody's door, and goes, hey, I got this sin here today. What you think about it? You're going to take it up? Jiggles the door handle. You guys hear me say this a lot. He'll put his finger, he'll flip the mail slot open and take a look and see if you're in there. He'll jump over the fence and rattle your back door. He'll check those windows to see if there's open. He's looking for any opportunity to gain access to your life. And by your life, I mean you, your person, spirit, soul, and body. Your lifetime, your generations, and everything that pertains to your life, finances, you know, relationships, et cetera, et cetera. He's trying to get all of it and ruin it. He's not there to help you. No. And, you know. Quite the opposite. I'm so, I guess I'm so competitive in this. I'm like, if I know you're trying to do me wrong, (laughs) I don't want anything to do with you. I'm not giving away anything. I want to fight every, every fight that I'm supposed to and be on every front. Now, I am, like I told you, we're humans. We're, our flesh keeps us with the permissions in this world, right? Thereby, it limits your perspective of what's going on in the spiritual realm. The Holy Spirit makes known things to us, right? He gives us insight and revelation, word of knowledge, et cetera, et cetera, word of wisdom, all mm-hmm. of those things, and discerning the spirits. I mean, you, we can continue to go on, yes. but he gives us those to help us, but I don't control them. I'm not just like, blink, blink. you know, I see in the natural realm, I'm confined to the five senses, because that, that's just kind of how it is. The Holy Spirit opens other things for us. But but he reveals things so that we can deal with them. Absolutely. And that's also why he's given us gifts and, and all so we can everything from. from the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit takes from the Father, discloses mm-hmm. to us, or gives to us, so that we can deal with every situation, moving from victory to victory in our lives. Mm-hmm. Right? Utilizing the armor of God to pull down strongholds and schemes of the enemy and principalities and all these things that have set themselves against the Lord. Mm-hmm. They don't, we don't have to let them take place, give them a foothold in our lives. Yep. But take it back. Defend against what he's given us, but then also take back territory for the Lord. So in our lives and in others. 
the lives of others, mm -hmm. helping them to free them, to release them from bondage, from captivity, from all these other things that, well, whether they knew or didn't or have a grip on their lives. Mm -hmm. One last and that's the body of Christ working together. Absolutely. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Oh, go ahead. One last thing before we wrap things up today. I want to bring something about the Holy Spirit. He protects us. Amen. If that's your question, why didn't he protect Tamar? Of course, he's always available to do that. One of the things that he gives us, if you hear God telling you, don't go do this. Don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to him. Don't go there then. Right? That's, that's like, the short and sweet of it. That's the simple, just just listen to him. Well, be obedient to what he's he's telling you to do. The the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit is the first way that he speaks to us. The still small voice. Okay? So if he's that feeling of that's just not right, don't go. Don't persist past that and then go, God's gonna protect me. Well, that's why he gave you that voice. Right? That's why you heard a still small voice. He came to you early to prevent you from going into that situation. Yes. Okay. I'm not sure how old um, Tamar was. I'm not sure. No, but even as you read this, you, you can't help but cringe inside because there's so many signs and warnings that, that there are stuff that's not right. And he's sending everyone away except for her. All of a sudden. She should have bolted. And there's no doubt that the Holy Spirit ministered to her. Don't remain here. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does to and for us. Mm -hmm. But we have to listen and be obedient. Mm -hmm. We can't override him in our lives and then blame the Lord, the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. for not protecting us. Mm -hmm. We're not saying that's what Tamar that, did, but I'm saying in life, we know who our Holy Spirit is amen. and who the Holy Spirit is. I like to him personally mine but yes. well, he's yours <laughs> i can't live without and, him and everyone else um, but that wants him absolutely but we know him and he loves each of us he's not a um he doesn't have a preferred gender that he favors he's not like i favor boys over girls he's not no, because that would be, would be partiality which nope. is a sin yep i thought that as a young woman i did but I know better because God had to sit me down and go, hey, why do you think that? So he doesn't favor one over the other. Women are just as valuable to the Lord as men. And men are just as valuable to the Lord as women. We're equally important and not independent of each other. And no one is independent of the Lord. So just wanted to make sure you guys understood that. When you hear the Holy Spirit going, er, don't do that. Or he's saying, hey, go, get out of here. Get out of here. Listen to him. Listen to him. Like, I don't know. I just got to go and, you know, go do whatever it is he told you to be doing. Or if he's saying, get out of this building, make an exit, then don't hesitate. Go do what he told you to do. Ask questions later. Make sure you hear him clearly. But and then have him, let him, ask him to explain it. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be in that moment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just have to obey. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even instructions that we give you guys, right? Yes. Do you fully understand everyone? Nope. So sometimes we just expect you to go do what we told you to do. And yes, we will explain. We'll have that conversation. Just sometimes it's, the time doesn't permit to have that conversation in that moment. Mm -hmm. But like the Lord, right, as our pattern example, our job is to help teach, train, educate, guide. Mm -hmm. I can't do that and not have a conversation. 
So the Lord will absolutely do that with us. Mm -hmm. We have to seek him. We have to ask him to reveal those things. Mm -hmm. And he will. All right, so let's pause there for today. Because there's a lot. There's a lot for everyone to, to ponder over. Yeah, it was a very sensitive topic. Absolutely. Yeah. But there is still a lot to be learned and gleaned mm -hmm. from in this. Mm -hmm. Who'd like to close this out in prayer? I will. Thanks, Charles. All right, Charles. Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for giving us knowledge and understanding of all the scriptures, Lord, and giving us understanding and wisdom to see what is at the core of each situation, Lord, and telling us how to react and giving us guidance so we can do it, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for people who listen to these broadcasts, Lord, and are continually growing in you and find success in their lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.